Well, welcome to this edition of Human Wisdom Live. And with me is Joe Thackeray, who's a human wisdom coach and a positive mindset coach and a life coach. And we're going to be talking about social media. <clears throat> and of course, it's a big subject, but we're going to focus on a few questions. How is it a force for good in our lives? What are the challenges that it can pose? And how can living with wisdom help us navigate this whole space of social media so we get the best out of it while avoiding all the challenges it faces? So welcome, Joe. Thank you. It's good to be here, Manos. So, Joe, let's start by asking, how is social media a force for good in the world? What, what has it done for us? That's a good question. I think um, coming out of the pandemic as we are now, uh, social media has been fantastic, hasn't it, over the last couple of years. It's it's enabled people to connect around the world. Um, it's been able people to have that human connection when we couldn't have that physical connection. It's shared communication. It's informed people. Um, so there's, there is so much good about the social media from that point of view, just connecting people and opening up our learning as well. It's encouraged new learning, um, about new cultures, about all the things that go on in the world. So I think that that has to be the force for good. And it's in a way democratized information, right? It's no longer controlled by a few people, if you like. Yeah. There are many sources of information. If there's something, some news event happening, you can go on Twitter and hear people live on the ground reporting what's happening, for example. But you yeah, can learn exactly. things. You can meet people you've never met before, uh, connect instantly. And I remember a time when ringing anyone abroad was so expensive. Do you remember that? Oh, good to me, yes. <laughs> Whereas now we can talk for free, can't we? And, and yes. we can also... You know, we can also learn things in a in a moment. You know, if we need some critical information, we can get that information instantly, yes. um, which is a miracle in itself, really, isn't it? And in some cases, it's known to have saved lives because people, you know, they're in a crisis, they share whatever's happening, and then somebody around the world will pick it up and help them. And people have been yeah. stranded in, you know, in forests and mountains and, and so on. So... It's definitely raising money money when when there has been a disaster around the world. It's been a really quick way for people to raise money to help those causes, to help those charities. Um, So, yeah, there is there is so much good um, that comes from. And of course, so many people now make a living through social media. You know, it's spawned a whole range of industries, you know, before I think. 20 years ago, there was no SEO expert or social media no. marketing agency or, you know, and now there are just millions of jobs in that whole whole space. So definitely uh, it's brought a huge change to the world. Absolutely. And the number of users is astonishing. I mean, we're a population of what, 8 billion in the world now, roughly. And they reckon about half of us are on some social media platform, aren't we? Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, so um, I think Facebook alone has about 2 billion users, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and it goes on after that. But it's also, like all things that human beings do, 
it's also can be very challenging and many, many problems can emerge from social media. Do you want to start with one and then we can explore it further? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things um, that can come out of constantly being on social media is that comparison and that jealousy kind of factor because you know we see people put snapshots of their life on and in that moment it looks like they have some kind of perfect life going on and everything is wonderful but it's a very small snapshot and nobody's seeing the bigger picture and everything else and if you're if your mental health isn't great if you're not in a good place if you're not you know your if your self-esteem's um a bit low if your confidence is a bit low that can really start to spark some really awful feelings inside you and you start comparing yourself and and thinking well I'm not as good as them or I don't have that and why don't I have this and and it can just spiral a little bit out of control so it starts with the feeling of envy yeah but quickly because there's an emotional pain in us it translates into all sorts of things for example it can translate into anger towards people who have more than you do i came across a twitter post once from someone who said i hate everyone who owns a house for example so um you know people compare and it's a do you think it's a conscious process, this, or is it automatic and unconscious in our thinking? I think because social media has become so part of our everyday life and we're kind of, you know, go, it goes back to this conditioning bit as well, that we're just, you know, we're, we're sucked into the, the social media, that it maybe has become a subconscious reaction to it and we're not consciously reacting but if we stop and think about what our reaction is and why we're reacting, which I know we'll go into a little bit later on, then perhaps we can start to work on not feeling those different feelings of anger and, and jealousy. And sometimes this anger and jealousy is about people we don't even know. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's about other people that we have no knowledge of. Um, but it can also be about people that we do know and love and we start to get a, um, a tarnished view of them. And it can really, it can ruin your, your relationships with people in that way. If, if you start yes. to view them with or jealousy. Somebody might post um, something with one intention, but it can be misinterpreted in a different way. Absolutely. And that can create a huge backlash. And, you know, there's a whole subculture um, and people do also people post things in the moment so if somebody's angry about something or something's just happened instead of somebody thinking and and just stopping and 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 taking a breath and thinking is it really right to post this people post these things and then it can spark all sorts of controversy and trouble and upset for other people so again I think it's in the moment people not stopping and thinking should I really be putting out that out there for public consumption or should I just be reflecting on this? Should I just pause? Yes. Yeah. You know, I was speaking in a university and uh, I asked the students, how did social media affect them? And one of them said to me, it made them hate their body. That's a very big one. Yeah. So we compare how we are, how we look with what's happening on social media 
and we may not fit in what people regard as the ideal of beauty. And before you know it, you know, you you start feeling, oh, my body's not good enough. The way yeah, I look, feeling, the way I am. Yeah, you start feeling inadequate. And, and also, you know, social media is so plagued with adverts hmm. for fitness, for health, for nutrition, for fashion, all those things. And a lot of it is good stuff. But again, a lot of it is putting pressure on people to think, oh, I should be this, I should be doing that, I should be eating this, and I should be wearing this and thinking like this. And it just, it's its its kind of like mind chatter all the time yes. being fed into us. And we, we it's just happening all the time. So, um, and this is probably what drives eating disorders. Mm-hmm. You know, anorexia, yeah. for example. I mean, it's a complex subject, but one of the things that drives eating disorders is uh, ideal, a view of an, what an ideal body shape or image looks like. Um, it also leads to self-harm because if people are really unhappy with themselves, it, you know, the one way of expressing that frustration is through self-harm. Um, and, it, and it can lead to extreme, you know, extreme mental health um problems as well and and it, it just compounds it compounds the situation and sometimes people don't recognize a way out and they 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 take a way out that you know there's no going back from and that's that's really hard or for a lot of people it's plastic surgery you know yeah um because i want to look like so and so i've seen on social media or and therefore the way i can do that is and of course, that causes its own, you know, share of problems. The other thing that happens is we tend to want to project an image of ourselves that we want others to see. And what are the problems that can cause? Give me an example, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you, you can be projecting an image, but actually maybe that isn't really who you are. Hmm. So you're not being authentic. Or maybe you're feeling like you have to live up to this image of what you're projecting on on Facebook or social media or whatever it is. And, you know, that can lead to tension for yourself. Um, you know, it can lead to relationships breaking down as well sometimes. And, you know, it, it you're putting it maybe putting a different version of you out to the world. And then you get in this cycle of having to keep up with that, having to keep yes. up with that version. And then that becomes stressful. That can then lead to mental health problems and low self-esteem and all those other things we've mentioned. Eventually, not being who we are, not being comfortable with ourselves, can't. nobody can be at peace. Right? No. Because then you want people to think you are... A, B, C, but you are actually X, Y, Z, and you're always anxious when somebody comes along. Are they going to see through the, you know, <laughs> image you created and find out that you're actually, you know, some, you know, X, Y, Z, and, yeah, what you do, and so on. Yeah. So that tension or stress is always kind of in the background. And, and it's almost like you've got this other life going on in a way and this other world going on in this social media world and and that can consume you and take over your time yes. instead of thinking about being in the present enjoying 
who you're with, enjoying the activities that you're doing because you're just so, so set on on taking pictures and putting it on social media, you know, instead of really truly enjoying the moment that you're in, um, it, it becomes this kind of addiction. It actually becomes an addiction of I've got to get it out there. I've got to get it out there. It's astonishing when I talk to young people, I say, well, not just young people, everyone. I say, how many hours do you spend on your social media? Sometimes it's eight to 10 hours a day. Mm. And, and your phone actually will tell you, your phone will give you a screen report yes. and tell you how long you've been on your social, well, maybe not on your social media, but on your screen. And it can be, you know, you think back when we didn't have mobile phones, obviously we're of a certain age, Manosh, and, you know, we had a life before technology. And, you know, what did we do with that time? You know, we yes. we were doing all sorts of other things. We were being well, present. We were, you know. Yes. So the world offers so many opportunities, and yet people are, um, you know, so focused on just wasting their life and some artificial digital kind of universe. But it's almost like the mind has lost its agency. So even if someone is on social media, say five hours a day, uh, and they want to change, their mind makes it really difficult for them to do that. That's really, Absolutely. you know, um, and we're going to explore in a minute what that is. But addiction, of course, can be to many things, but social media is one of them. Now, as we saw in recent political events in the United States, and the same thing is repeated across the world, social media can also become a place where you can mobilize people to do something based around mm -hmm. a particular ideology, whatever that might be, you know, whether you agree with it or not. And, um, and sometimes that can be for good. That can be a real force for good. But then when it's not a force for good and it is disruptive and it's causing harm and, you know, upset and, and whatever, then that's where, that's where, you know, it gets difficult. Yes. So, Quite often what I see increasingly is that we want people to agree with us, right? And there's a shouting match going on on social media, you know, whoever shouts loud, as if shouting ever changed anybody else's mind. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's who's shouting the loudest on social media, isn't it? And, and, and kicking up that, that storm. I mean, it's just not intelligent because if you're going to disagree with me, yeah, I'll just shout louder and that's going to make you agree with me, you know. Yeah. Uh, of course, that just never works, right? But because we want that, what we end up doing is forming little tribes of our own on social media, right? So yeah. the right wing, the left wing, the whatever your particular group might be, and in that group, nobody's challenging your opinion at all. So you start believing uh, whatever it is the group is. So you lose your own agency to question critically what's going on in the world. And it's so and easy to become conditioning. Uh, yeah, conditioned yeah. by all that, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so it can definitely make you lose your critical thinking ability because 
you're just surrounding yourself with people who think exactly like you do. And because that makes the mind feel comfortable, that's where you want to be in this kind of little warm, cozy jacuzzi, you know, (laughs) where everyone in there is who thinks, you know, someone who thinks exactly the way you do. Um, um, And of course, this is what was responsible for all the social uh, problems the world has seen, whether it's racism or not giving women the vote or slavery or, you know, Mm. all it was was a group of people gathering who said, yeah, yeah, I agree, it's a good idea. And you you lost your own critical ability to question your own thinking and your own behavior and, and so on. So behind this then, we've said social media is a great force for good and we've highlighted some of the problems it can cause. I think some people have even committed suicide on the basis of what happens on social media. In fact, I remember a case recently where a mother was suing a social media platform saying they were responsible and so on. But, you know, obviously some people have done that. Yeah, and because it opens up an avenue for what they call trolls, doesn't it, to to bully people, it's cyberbullying, you know, that all comes with part of, of the social media, doesn't it? That there are trolls out there that are doing this cyberbullying and it can, it can, you know, I mean, it can have devastating effects on people. Yes. Um, and particularly among young people, I think, where they haven't yet matured, uh, mm this can take on quite nasty turns. Because I remember a friend of mine, their daughter goes to a school and she, the daughter came back in tears one day because one somebody else in their class had set up a social media group saying people who don't like whatever that girl's name was. <laughs> so there were 25 or 30 children who oh. joined that group and you can imagine the pressure of that, you know. On, on a, I mean, on that's a, just yeah, on unthinkable, a isn't it? It's really, Absolutely. really tough for a lot of young yeah. people. It is. But with wisdom, we can navigate this in a completely different way. And there are four unconscious patterns of thinking that are driving the way our mind responds to social media. And I'll start with one, which is the mind needs to be occupied all the time, right? So why do we get addicted to social media is because if you think about it, you're most uncomfortable sitting quietly doing nothing. The mind just feels really restless, doesn't it? All the time. It does. And so in the past, we would read a book or watch a movie, but the movie ends, the book ends at some point, but social media never ends, you know, right? Yeah, and I I know with my, I know with myself that, especially on a weekend when I'm not working and I'm outside and I'm in nature, I spend a lot of time in nature, I stay away from my phone because I'm occupied, my brain's occupied, I'm I'm feeling the effects of nature, I'm busy, I'm being physical and all those things. 
But I know the minute I get back into the home environment or back into the working week, I reach for my phone automatically to fill some of that time. Mm. And I have to consciously stop myself and I'll, I'll stop and I'll go, what am I doing? And, and literally put my phone down and walk away and do something else because we just do it automatically without thinking. Yes. So this is the first of the four unconscious patterns of thinking that drive our relationship to social media. And that's what drives our addiction, because the more we use it, the more we need to use it, if you like. You know? Yeah. The second is the mind's need for stimulation and pleasure. Right? Yeah. We're constantly needing to be, not just to be occupied, but also to be stimulated, which is where all the likes come in and so on, right? Absolutely. And it, it, it goes back to that feeling that you need to connect with people all the time and have that connection, but also that validation, mm. that validation that you are worthy of being whoever you are. And that that's really that's a really tricky one is that, you know, you put something on and you want to see how many people have liked it, how many people have shared it, what have, what have they commented on? And um, that feeds, all that engagement feeds the addiction, yes. um, doesn't it? And the more pleasure you get, of course, the more pleasure you need. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, the other side of the coin of pleasure is frustration and sadness, right? Yeah. That means today you've got 100 likes and tomorrow you get 50. <laughs> and you're, yeah, you know. then you beat yourself up. You go, why? What, what's, what's wrong with me today? You know, and, and, and again, that, you know, it doesn't help our mental health. It really doesn't because you're, again, your self-esteem is going up and down all the time. Because um, your mind's comparing, you know, what you yeah. got yesterday with today. Or you've got more likes than that post has got more likes. He's more popular and all of that, yeah. right? So that unconscious need for pleasure combined with our need to be occupied is driving our need for social media. Yeah, yeah. But the third pattern of thinking that we're not aware of is our mind is comparing all the time. It's unconscious, it's automatic, and it's in every human being. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've taken the conscious decision for some people that I followed or or I, I had in my Facebook. Um, you know, I've made that decision not to look at any of their stuff anymore because I could feel those feelings that I didn't like mm. coming to the fore by looking at their posts. So I've made that conscious decision of I'm not looking at it and I don't feel that anymore. And it's great. But we have to make that conscious, we really have to stop and really think about why we're feeling those things and yeah. recognize that we can choose not to look at them and that will take away some of those feelings. Or another way is to become aware <coughs> of this process of comparison in our own thinking. It's automatic and unconscious. And when you shine a light and you say, oh, my God, that's what my mind is doing all the time. That's when you can do something about it. You can yeah. say, right, I'm not going to compare in this area, but in other areas, comparison is useful. You yeah. Know, it's uh, because that's why envy is so automatic, right? Because 
my mind's comparing and immediately I see the difference and I feel, you know, all of that. Yeah. So I had a really interesting chat with an eight-year-old girl in a school. And I said, your friend next to you has got more marks in mathematics in the, in the test than you do. Okay. How are you? What are the different things you're feeling? And, you know, children are beautiful because they're open, they're honest, uh, they don't yeah. have any guards. And she said, I hate my friend. I don't like my friend anymore. I'm going to, I've stopped talking to her because she's making me feel bad. She's showing off. Even though the friend may have done nothing, but yeah, 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 yeah. Showing off. Second thing she said is, I've stopped liking myself because I think I'm not wow. good. Yeah. I don't like myself because I'm, I think I'm, I'm no good. But the most interesting thing she said to me was, I've stopped liking the subject. I stopped liking mathematics. Wow. Because I think, because she associates the subject with how she's feeling. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We think, and she's eight, but when you, whether you're eight or 80, the mind is the same. We think it's the other, it's the external that's causing how we feel, not realizing it's the way our mind is working. It's- it's the internal and what damage that's having on a her friendship be her own self-esteem and see on a subject that she may normally love so you know our our you know unconscious thinking is really making a big mess of stuff there isn't it because it's damaging so many different areas of our life so when i asked the same girl i said how would your life change if you understood this process of comparison and it wasn't kind of automatic anymore and you were in charge when you compared and she said i would be free so it's wow, a really that's quite a powerful, powerful statement isn't yes, it it's so beautiful and powerful too so there's so much to be learned from just looking and learning about you know how our minds function yeah but the fourth thing to talk about we've talked about our need to be occupied our need for pleasure how the mind compares but the fourth is perhaps the most important which is how the mind is so easily conditioned without being aware could you speak a bit more about that yeah i mean you know conditioning starts from the minute that we're born doesn't it you know we don't realize it but the family the culture the country the circumstances in which we are born, that immediately starts conditioning our thought process and the way that we think, but we just don't know it. We don't have any control over that because we're a very small, you know, we're, we're a baby. We don't have a, a control over that. So, you know, conditioning, it, when we're, as we're growing up and, and we're exposed to all sorts of things within our families, our cultures or whatever, you know, for us, that that seems fact that seems yeah that that's that's how life is I know from my own upbringing and my conditioning I've now that I've started to understand conditioning and look at some things I think wow actually I'm only thinking like that because that's the way I was conditioned when I was young not not my parents haven't deliberately conditioned me but that's the way that they were conditioned so it's just goes on and on and it's begin it's stopping and really taking that time to look at 
you and and try and connect with your own mind and your own thought process and really understand why people think like they do why they take the actions that they do why they make the assumptions that they do why they respond and react in the way that they do and really start to unpick what's underneath that and most of the time it comes back to that conditioning doesn't it yes perhaps we need to also ask ourselves how is social media conditioning me absolutely how is it affecting my opinions my behavior how I feel about myself, how I feel about others, and so on. Just and asking the question, I think, allows us to live with more wisdom. Absolutely. And if you think of children using social media like they all do now, and they're looking at their role models, and they're, you know, they're being conditioned by what their role models are doing, and that will influence their thinking for the future. And that could be good, it could be bad. You know, we just don't know, do we? No. And of course, uh, as one of our guests on the call has pointed out, this also not only affects children, but also affect pa affects parents, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so parents too now want to say, oh, my child has, you know, and put pictures. You know how often we put pictures of our children? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. With all their medals and prizes and, you know, all of those things. Not realizing how is this conditioning this child of mine for the future? Yeah, absolutely. Because if we are conditioning our children to thinking that happiness lies in being better than others, right? Or having material things. Having Or having material things, right? Or uh, you need to be like everybody else, you know? So what I'm saying is it's conditioning the children to thinking in the future when they grow up that their happiness lies in being better than others. Mm. Now imagine what effect that's going to have on that child. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So first of all, they're not going to be able to be themselves because they're always going to be wanting to conform or compare. You know, as soon as you compare, you're conforming. Yeah. You may be unhappy for a lot of your life because somebody will always be better than you. And it may prevent you from learning and, and, and reaching for your own dreams and your own goals because you're feeling like you're not good enough. So it may stop you achieving what you want to achieve. Yes, yes. I met, uh, well, now I'm a very middle-aged man in his 50s. And he th thought that his general unhappiness was because when he was a child, he was always top of his class, you know, appraised by parents and everything. And now he's running a business and he struggles because he's not got the best business in the world. And there are people better than him, and, you know, and he, yeah. uh, so he doesn't know how to get out of that loop of thinking. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. So, Joe, that's great. So what we've done in this very short conversation is explored how social media is a force for good, the many problems it can cause. There are two that I thought we hadn't touched on. One is how we won't go into too much detail, but how it's reducing our attention span, right? 
you know, um, they're saying now that if you're putting a video up, you have to capture people's attention in three to four seconds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, people, so that's the sort of attention span. I wonder what's going to happen to human beings if we, our attention span keeps sort of reducing. And then we've talked about all the different patterns of thinking that are operating in the background that are affecting our relationship. And we're not saying it's right or wrong. What we're saying is to ask questions, to wake up and look at these different things going on in your own thinking and ask yourself, yeah. what's the intelligent or the wise way to respond? And I think if you ask that simple question, you'll find the right way for yourself. Absolutely. I think it's just about taking that pause, isn't it? And if you sit there and you find yourself mindlessly scrolling and you're not getting anything from that apart from just mindlessly scrolling, you have to stop and ask yourself, well, what else could I be doing? Yes. Do I need to put this down? Can I do something else? And it is just about stopping and really just, you know, exploring your own thinking, isn't it? And 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 why you might be feeling like that. And, you know, we need to be in control of social media, not social media being in control of us. Well, that's so a we very good, be, uh, yeah. great note to um, pause that uh, conversation. So thank you very much, uh, Joe. This podcast comes to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.